Hello, this is Learning Tarot Together. I'm your host, Felix Kingsley, full-time social worker, part-time tarot enthusiast, and I'm here to share my journey into learning the meanings behind all 78 tarot cards with listeners and guests. This week, we'll be looking into the meaning behind card number four in the Major Arcana, the Emperor. Here to help me is Max Newland. Hey, Max. Hi, how's it going? I, you know what? It's going pretty well today. I did a really good reading this morning, and I'm feeling pretty Ooh, good. Oh, all right. How about you? Oh, I'm doing quite well. It's a work day. I'm on the uh, West Coast, so it still kind of is the work day for me. Uh, so don't tell anyone that I'm here. Yeah, internet, don't tell anyone. <laughs> uh, so what is your history with tarot? Well, um, it, it kind of started when I was a kid. My mom had a copy of the uh, now f- the very famous uh, Aleister Crowley designed tote deck. And I was really fascinated with the art on it as a kid. I loved looking through it. And I, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with it. You've probably even talked mm-hmm. about it on this show before. But it's it's just... And we actually haven't mentioned that deck on this show. Really? We pretty much focus on Rider Waite. Okay, okay. So I, I know that I have some future guests, though, that also primarily were using that deck. Yes, it's, it's just very well known among tarot people because it's very beautiful, very evocative. It's kind of cool. I thought I always thought it was kind of cool in comparison to that uh, Rider Waite deck. How the the Rider Waite deck's p- images are like very direct and symbolic, whereas the Tote deck is, I feel just as evocative but far more abstract. But anyway, my mom had that deck. She taught me a little bit about reading tarot and gave me like a book on it when I was like thirteen or fourteen. And then I, you know, it was just like a fun party trick I would do in the like in, in my college years. Yes, I definitely had quite a few. That's how I got my my deck was I think my guess is my first deck was somebody brought it over for a party and then just left it at her house. That's my best guess of how it appeared at my house, but I definitely in college when I would play with tarot, I would make a big to do about it. I'd like put scarves on and everything. Oh yeah. Like make it. <laughs> yeah, oh. I'm very dramatic. I like to do I like to put uh drama into wherever situations i can that aren't um that aren't making it difficult you know well like, no this is i don't like the kind of drama that makes things challenging I like the kind of drama that's just like can't, the, the tarot calls for drama um it's a very dramatic way to understand life and expression and it's a, it, there's something very core to i i'm a uh, i went to school for theater i was an actor for many years mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things that I guess it's a it's a biased program, but one of the things they often teach you is that drama was one of the first art forms. Mm-hmm. And I think that the this sort of the way we interpret tarot and the way we look into the meaning of the cards is tapping into a very similar like drive as as the drive to like perform on stage and and recreate things, recreate stories mm-hmm. and dynamics that are that resonate with us. Well, yeah, it's visual storytelling. Absolutely, it's, yeah. you know, it's looking in. Yeah, absolutely. So this card that we're here to talk about today, like I mentioned, is the number four in the Major Arcana. Um, so in the Fool's Journey or the story of the Major Arcana, the Fool has just left the mother figure of the Empress mm-hmm. and turns to the more father figure of the Emperor. And the Emperor teaches the Fool like discipline, structure, authority, how to care for others in a more tangible way, I would say, versus the kind of like nurturing compassion. The other one is also this kind of protector, this this protector image. So when I think about this card, when you're looking at it, at the imagery of it, at least in the Rider weight, which again, there's so many different versions. I have a few, I have three pulled up in front of me, but typically you see 
the emperor, often on a throne, mm-hmm. sometimes with um, the throne in the kind of typical Rider weight version has two rams on it, which from what I was reading indicate like protection and sacrifice, oh, okay. um, like protecting his herd. He's usually wearing armor in all three versions I'm looking at. Actually, he is wearing armor, which, again, has to do with this kind of protection and shielding. Uh, In a lot of versions, he has a scepter in his Mm -hmm. hand and then an orb in the other hand, which are that's one that's kind of interesting to me. I saw some people talking about those as like feminine and masculine symbols. I also saw them as like different types of ruling symbols. I I have a take on this. Yeah, they're they're associated Mm -hmm. with the scepter and crown are associated with kings. Which is something that apparently mm-hmm. goes back to like, uh, I was watching this very fascinating video on YouTube about why we we depict kings in the way that we do in culture. Like, what are the the costume of the king? What that means? Where it comes from culturally? And it's a very brief video on that subject, but the 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 researcher was talking about how the, there's connections back to very early hunter gatherer society, the 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 scepter mm-hmm. thing. Being that it's just like, you know, if you are, if you're going out on the hunting party, the guy with the big stick is the most important guy. Oh, interesting. I've never really thought about where the scepter comes from. I'm just yeah. like, oh, yes, Me you neither. know, the the ruling stick, you know. <laughs> King's got that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, other things that are kind of common imagery. One is, you know, he has like the long white beard mm-hmm. usually, which indicates kind of wisdom and experience. Um, in the Rider Waite version, if you're looking at the background, you see there's mountains in the background. Um, and that, from what I was reading, some people are talking about that having to do with like prophetic revelations, like they were comparing it to Moses. Oh, fascinating. Which I thought was interesting, kind of thinking about the emperor as a teacher or, uh, I mean, a divine ruler, if you think about it in that sense. Mm-hmm. And then the other aspect of the background is there's like a narrow stream or river behind him and then again when i was researching into the imagery here what i was finding was people were discussing that as being if we think about water kind of referencing usually like emotions your subconscious your intuition that the emperor has these things but has a very narrow view of them sure sure and isn't like a tool that he typically uses, but it's not that he doesn't have access to it, uh, which I thought was interesting. I think it kind of goes to show also the elemental alignment here. You've, uh, if you look at the like the percentage of the background each of these features takes up, so you've got some air alignment, and you can see the sky behind him, and it's quite a prominent mm-hmm. like it's. I'm I'm looking at the Rider Waite deck too, and it's quite a prominent like sickly orange or perhaps like a like a nice sunset depending on how depending on how you're looking at it i guess mm-hmm. um, and then a huge span of mountains so there's a lot of air and a lot of earth and then the, like it's if you look at it like a graph in that way then you can really see like the water is very very tiny like you said mm-hmm. yeah and i think too with the air when you're looking at the coloring of it like you mentioned it's these like red these rich orange colors because the emperor is represented by the element of fire oh okay which yeah which when we think about that um i think of fire as it's interesting for this card because i don't think of the emperor as being fire i, I think Wouldn't of the emperor being either. more associated with earth you know like earth yeah. is kind of the thing i think of because i think of is very stable but also i mean to be a leader i suppose you do have to have like passion oh, and yeah, drive yeah. 
and commitment, you know, and these things that fire could bring up for you. So there is some some ways I can interpret that, but it, it did surprise mm. me when I learned mm. that because that wasn't where my brain goes. Well, and that makes sense if we're treating this as some kind of like instructional text, right? Then a, a leader should not only be mm-hmm. someone who provides for people, but who is also able to 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 inspire them through passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to incite passion in their people yes. in their people, yes. you know. So going into well, first before I move on, is there anything else about the visuals of this card that you wanted to touch on? <laughs> um well I have six tarot decks in my apartment and I I've picked out the Emperor card from all of them. And I have I did, yeah, I did that for three of my I, I limited myself. I chose three. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, I just want to go over real quickly, like we've been talking about the the Rider Waite one, which is very, like, very important and very symbolic. I also have, <laughs> so like back in like 2012, I gave a significant amount of money to the Kickstarter for a little thing called Homestuck. I don't know if you're familiar. <laughs> um because one of the rewards was a Homestuck okay. tarot deck. That's amazing. So I'm looking at my Emperor card here. This will only make sense if you know Homestuck. It's Equius. Yeah, and I don't... I, I was on Tumblr in like 2000... I don't know. So, I mean, I'm familiar with Homestuck, but only in that I've been exposed to it with... Or, you know, not exactly by my own sure, will. of course, of course. So. Well, listener, if you know Homestuck, it's Equius. Uh he's sitting there, he's got a glass of milk and a towel. He's ex- profusely sweaty. It's real it's repugnant, really. But if you didn't know that if you were a Homestuck fan and you didn't know about the tarot deck, now you know about it. I love that. I I love that it exists. I mean, I know there's really a tarot deck for pretty much everything. Oh, everything. Like I everything. I don't I don't know that there's a Simpsons tarot deck, but I guarantee you I'm there fucking... is. I've never looked for a Dragon Ball Z tarot deck, but I'm guessing there is one. I'm just naming things in front of, like, that I'm seeing in my room right now. Like, <laughs> um, But now I want to find a Dragon Ball Z tarot yes, deck. Yes, both are extant. Both are extant. One is, <laughs> one is an officially licensed product and one is not. <laughs> oh perfect good i want the unofficial shit i want <laughs> that's where you get the good stuff yeah, right yeah. perfect so yeah my, and i'm looking at mine one of mine is from the terror of the divine where i believe the emperor is depicted as king arthur that's, i also have that one in front of me yes yeah and then the other one i have is cosmic slumber where mm. this one's kind of interesting because the ram's head instead of being on these the arms of the throne the emperor himself is like wearing a ram's skull like on their head which is interesting and they have and then the element of like fire or something is brought in here more there's the sun in the background very distinctly above the emperor's head and then like what looks like almost another sun in the middle of his chest it's it's a very different looking card than than the traditional one in some ways and he has like a cat or a dog it's hard to tell hmm. it looks like a hairless cat <laughs> okay on his lap which is another but he's like protecting it with a shield sure. so that kind of goes into that sense of protection yeah, again yeah. and then on that note getting into the meaning of the card for people who don't know uh so this card as we mentioned before has a lot to do with with like more I'm trying to figure out how to. I I talked about this a lot in the last episode about how I struggle with these concepts of like masculinity and femininity, sure. especially as like a trans person, <laughs> um, but or as like a non-binary person in particular. But 
this is kind of the more masculine counterpart to the empress. So if the empress deals with nurturing and the our emotions and maybe our subconscious to some extent, the emperor deals with realities, with sure. rationality, the observable world, like intellect. You know, if you're not if you're not comfortable uh, with the sort of like gendered language around that, it's sort of the same kind of concept behind yin and yang, which mm-hmm. which are like gendered in in their in their own you know in their own context but it is a it it, i feel like you can separate it a little more in that way there's a there's a a step in between yes exactly (laughs) to get there yeah when you think of this card what are the major things that come to mind for you um uh uh, control 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 Mm -hmm. command over over oneself and over others Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think of the emperor as being like the ultimate decision maker. Like he's the one yeah, who decides what path absolutely. to lead his people on. Mm-hmm. I think also about like tradition and oh, that's an interesting yeah, one. Mm-hmm. And like loyalty, like both to and from loyalty. So loyalty, as if like if we're thinking of it as an emperor, like loyalty to the people and people to yeah, the emperor. Exactly, is yes, that what yes. you you mean? Okay, like that give and take aspect. Yeah. Totally. I, yeah, that's something I was thinking about a lot more when I was, you know, looking into this card for this episode was expanding my view of this card past the kind of my initial feelings about it, which have to do with like rigidity, stability, structure, um, which are all important aspects of this card because, I mean, what is an emperor providing? He's providing, I mean, he's providing those things. He's providing structure. He is taking on the responsibility of authority. He is hopefully providing stability to to his people. But then the other aspect that stood out to me that is what I'm relating to what you were just saying was the protection and sacrifice mm-hmm. aspect of the card, yeah. which is one that I really hadn't thought about as much. But like a, a leader has to make decisions about how to best protect their people. And sometimes that can come... You know, sometimes we have to make difficult decisions, so sometimes we have to make sacrifices for the better good. Yeah. And there's that aspect of the card that I think I really hadn't given enough thought before and was kind of thinking, you know, when this card comes up, I think about, okay, well, maybe you need more stability in your life or you need to be more disciplined. But there's also the sense that it could be what you owe to other people in a way. Duty, yeah. Duty, exactly. That would be the best word for it in this context. Yeah. I I agree. There's kind of a implied commitment to community, right? If we're going to if mm-hmm. we're if we're going to have an emperor, you know, if we're going to have the archetypal emperor, we might as well be a good emperor, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's where I mean, I don't know when you if you do readings really or if you just study the cards, but Rarely. Um, Not anymore. Okay. Okay, yeah. So when... I don't know if you really did upright or reverse. Didn't really. Or if you just looked at the card. I just sort of took it all in context, you know? Yeah, so I'm still someone who likes to do the upright and the reverse, but I think that's where I kind of will split some of these aspects of what an emperor can be, is between the upright and the reverse, but you don't have to do that. So listeners, if you are new to tarot... Some people choose to look at a card differently if it's upright versus reverse, and some people just use their intuition to figure out intuition and context from the rest of the cards 
and maybe input from the person they're reading for to mm, determine yeah, it. Yeah. For for new readers, it can be helpful, I think, to look at the upright and the reverse because it it gives a little <laughs> speaking of structure, it gives a little bit more structure. <laughs> it gives a little <laughs> bit more Yeah. Of something to focus on. But so anyways, though, so for thinking about these things of like, what is a good ruler? What is a good, um, what is a, a ruler ideally doing? Then in the reverse, we're thinking about what if these things are failing mm-hmm. or what if that commitment has dropped, you know, like, so that's where you get into this idea of like tyranny or domineering or being stubborn in the reverse meaning. But you can also get the opposite of that and kind of what else could be a poor ruler? They could be reckless. They could lack discipline. You know, they could be negligent. uh, Something got my wheels turning a little while ago while I was thinking about like just and I mean, just a moment ago while we were while you were talking about the inversions Mm -hmm. and specifically the inclusion of King Arthur in this deck that we both share. Are you are you familiar with the the German motific concept of the king asleep in the mountain? Uh, you will need to enlighten me. Okay, so there is a it it th- this is the name of a motif used in in folklore and like legends th- found throughout Europe and you know Eastern uh, Eastern Europe, Hungary, those types of areas. And, and and I mean you you'll find this story a lot in other cultures as well. This is just it was sort of named for its appearance in German Germanic folklore. And it's the idea that like the king, there is a great king and he is off somewhere, but he'll return someday and he will be our ki- our great king once more. And it it you know, it these are stories typically of places that have fallen to ruin or places that seem locked in stasis while they wait for their king instead of so nobody has progressed anything nothing has progressed everything's everything is decaying uh as we mm-hmm. as we await an absent throne oh that is so interesting thinking about that in the the inverse the, or the, the reverse absent version king, of this card yeah. yeah and so oh that's so interesting i want to like sit here for like 20 minutes staring at my wall <laughs> thinking about that but uh <laughs> no that's so interesting to think about what does that mean yeah. Like in a reading, how could you interpret that? And I think that's, you know, thinking about how to interpret cards because there are these traditional meanings that we're talking about, but then there's also the storytelling and the visual aspects of your specific deck and of your intuition and the connections that you have and stories that you have in your your head. Uh, And that reminds me of just how much you can also have these like intuitive readings. Yeah, so absolutely. even though like if you're looking, if you're Googling it, you're not going to find people most likely talking about like an absent ruler when you're looking at the reversed version of this card. But that doesn't mean that it's an inappropriate reading of this card in any way. It's just another story mm. that you can incorporate into your reading if it feels appropriate. You know, yeah. it's... That's what's so fascinating about the cards and what's so fun about them totally. is that you can, you know, like these kind of riffing off of each other can give you so much more insight. Uh, another thing I think about sometimes, too, with the reverse version of the card is a rationality. So mm. when I think about the upright version and I'm trying to think of it as kind of being like, OK, what is hopefully a good ru- a good ruler? And I would hope that they are a rational thinker 
that they but also hold compassion mm. would be my hope. I don't see what's interesting was when I was researching Arthur Waite put benevolence and compassion in the reverse meaning of the card, which has just been baffling That's interesting. To me. Because I would think that you would want those in the upright version of the card if you're going to differentiate the two. Well, maybe he's thinking of those as a more feminine type of energy. Mm -hmm. I just think that when... I just think it's such a miss on his part to think that you can't be both... You can be, like, strict and compassionate (laughs) at the same time. And And I think that there's a lot of people who view strictness or authority or these things as inherently opposed Mm. to those ideas i wonder if and i just don't think that they are i wonder if they're trying to communicate that like the reversed is like a soft ruler whose people are 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 lax and who who doesn't you know inspire like you know one that doesn't command authority yes yes yeah which is an interesting thing to kind of think about in terms of Again, this is another reason why you should think about your own kind of interpretations, too, Uh is that we're basing a lot of our meanings off of just some guy in what, whatever, (laughs) decades ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. And his opinions on (laughs) on (laughs) what uh, these things, these archetypes should or could represent. Yeah. So it's. It's okay to speak back to those. You know, you don't have to accept the traditional the traditional meanings if you think that they no longer serve our current like world as as the culture changes and as the world changes it's necessary to update those things so like the idea yeah. that a that a bad thing for a ruler to be is compassionate you know that 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 doesn't necessarily resonate right now i don't think i would hope not <laughs> and that's the thing too is like when you are learning these cards you got to remember that these cards have gone through so many different variations. So when we're looking at an old version of the emperor, I mean, some of these ones are in some ways like mocking authority in other ways they're idolizing it. Like there's a lot of, you know, different meanings that these have taken over time that are culturally responsive in those ways. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's something about, there is something about like, there is an angle from which you can mock authority that is like, I'm mocking you because you were bad at this. Like you are a bad king. Like I regardless regardless how either of us feels about the monarchy in real life, like the actual institution of royalty, there is like a very human drive to want to look towards an authoritative person, right? Who who can be held to account and who can you know lead. Or if not lead, then at least inspire and organize. And uh, some, some there, there's like an animating force inside all of us that does these things. That that is like good. That is commanding in a in a compassionate way, and that is that is aimed towards action and knows how to knows what to do and how to achieve that. And I think that's what we're really like. That's the what the good leader is, right? That's where you get that archetypal good re- good leader is that very human drive to want to be the one who's organizing and leading and driving and spurring everyone else on. I think we also have to think about what drives someone to lead. Oh, of course. And I think that could also influence your interpretation Completely. of the card yeah. because there is 
there's good reasons and bad reasons to want to lead, right? <laughs> like there's there are things that spur us on because we want our will to be to be heard. There's there is a sense of I could see there being a sense in these cards of like we were saying earlier about the responsiveness to our our people and like what we owe what we owe people and what you know they what they can expect from us as in this kind of setting of the emperor setting not just like a normal person but um wow i lost my train of thought <laughs> <laughs> oh no it just went straight out the window hey listen sometimes you just get on a tear and it just takes you where you need to go you know oh uh, oh my gosh but i think that when you that's so true. but i think that when you think about when you think about that then you can kind of interpret this card as if it's a lesson to the person mm. or a support mm. like by which i mean is this telling this person like you are uh, imposing your will on people like you're not listening or being responsive to the to the things around you or is it that you know you are accepting responsibility that fell into your lap and that you're doing the best with it that you can sure you know so it's sure. That's where I think it can really be interesting to learn more about the situation of the person yeah. you're doing a reading for. To me, I think there is a lot of, when it comes down to actually being in the reading with somebody, it, it so much is contextually dependent on what's going on with them in their lives and how they feel about the situations that, that you're, you're talking with them about. And, and I always, <laughs> the thing I always tell people is that, so I don't know where you fall on the on the 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 spectrum of like spirituality and and I come from tarot from such a mental health background. Okay. I was talking to someone this morning actually about about it because they were interpreting me as being more spiritual than I have interpreted myself as being. <laughs> okay. But I think I had a narrow but I think I had a narrow view of what spirituality can sure. mean <laughs> because I think of it as like something more like structured totally. or like crystals <laughs> and I I don't vibe with some of those things, but I do care a lot about intuition and like sure, I like sure. thinking yeah. about sorry, and I like thinking about the meaning behind coincidences and sure. like I like finding this kind of like beauty in the world and making meaning where maybe it isn't so like isn't officially at least. So I can see how I do have these spiritual aspects, but I will say I, I don't believe in future sure. telling yes like exactly I, that's where i was going yeah. with this is that like i mm -hmm. the thing that i would always tell people in the reading is that like i li literally this is not like this is not like clairvoyance i don't really believe there is anything magic happening within these cards the thing that's magic is the human brain's ability to to extrapolate from an archetype and then find meaning in images and situations and stories the real magic is what happens between me the reader and you the querent as we're looking at this and we're talking about your life and what's going on with you the things that you're concerned with and how the feelings that come up when we look at these images together and talk about what stories they could be communicating so like that's the reason i guess i didn't really do much with the inverted meanings of cards is because i mm -hmm. feel like if you just look at what's going on and you can kind of like work with the person you're reading and 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 listen to them and understand them you can kind of 
finagle the meanings of the individual cards. Like it's not necessary to be, I think, fully in line with like the accept. If you need to wiggle, right, to get a card to fit, then you can wiggle. And if it makes the if it makes the person you're talking to feel satisfied, if it makes them feel like something magic has happened, then that's that's all you need. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think there's so much wiggle room, anyways. Oh, yeah, because I mean, totally. you look at. We all, I mean, like we were just talking about, we have, I had three different decks in front of me, you had six different decks in front of me, and they all have different interpretations of these cards. Yeah. They all have a different image. Mm -hmm. They all have a different nuance to them. And so when I pull out a card, like I pull out this card, one thing you could do, I mean, for new people who are new to reading, I I don't think I talk enough about on this podcast about like the art of reading. Sure. (laughs) Um, we talk a lot about the meanings, but I think that the art of reading is also important to discuss. So when you're thinking about this card, I mean, what you might do first is just kind of get people's impression of like, what does an image of an emperor bring yeah. to mind to you? You know, and start there and start working through some of these thought processes and finding new meaning together, just like we're doing in this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that is this kind of these kinds of conversations are not antithetical to tarot reading. You no. know, they are absolutely it's bread and butter. That's the magic. That's where the transformation takes place. Exactly. So I always like to at least just kind of mention just, you know, people like to know the basic kind of like, what if I get this in love? What if I get this in career? <laughs> you know, so I like to I mean well, I hope as you someone like who does tarot readings, I get That's <laughs> right. The message. I hope you like <laughs> Santa Claus Zaddy is coming for you. <laughs> oh my gosh. So that's one interpretation. <laughs> um another Another one could be like, I always find the emperor in particularly challenging when it comes up in a love reading for me, which is 95% of the readings that I do because that's what people want advice on. That's what people want, you know, which is fine. But like, I don't know. Let's say the question was, I'll give a better question than most people actually ask. Wow. Let's say it was, how can I? Yeah, I'm being salty. I'm sorry. But when it's just, who is my future spouse? I don't know. This old guy. Some fucking like, guy. <laughs> but let's say they ask, like, how can I best support my partner right now? Let's just say that, for example, as like a love reading sure. or a question yeah. someone might ask you for this card. So some things you might pull out here would be, you know, I would think about these kind of ideas of like stability and protection and sacrifice, you know. How can you provide a stable base for your partner, like maybe if they're going through a difficult time, how can you provide them that kind of safe, stable environment for them to be able to start, you know, to have the the safe base that they need mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to improve, you know, or it could be, let's say you find out a little bit more, you know, and for some reasons, when the reverse meanings are coming to mind, or let's say you're using the reverse it doesn't have, you know, that would be kind of a challenging question. You know, how do I support my partner? And you're seeing like tyranny, <laughs> you know, that can be really confusing to new readers. You, you don't need to be like mm. the, you don't need to make yourself the authority of the situation, right? You can support somebody simply by, you know, being there and listening to them. You don't need to mm-hmm. turn into, you don't need to turn into the king of the household. <laughs> for their sake uh, yeah that would be a great interpretation of it of just like yeah you don't need to find solutions for yeah. them maybe you know i think a lot of times we're trying to support someone we're trying to fix things or or we're trying to remove the thing that is causing them you know pain or strife or challenges 
sometimes we can't do these things. Well, sometimes it's not our job to do these things, right? Like even if, Mm -hmm. even in very close relationships, there's times when it's not really your job to solve all your partner's problems for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Or it could be the sense of a, there's like a sense of irrationality maybe in the reverse of the card. Mm. And that could be maybe recognizing that one, either your thought pattern or maybe your partner's thought pattern is irrational and helping to figure out how to change a perspective there you know it there's so many different ways you can interpret it and i think that's also why i find the phrasing of questions people ask really important sure and why i think there's an art to asking a tarot question just as there is an art to answering one to make sure that you're really getting at the type of information you're looking for so if you're just saying like I just want a general love reading, but what you're really looking for is like, how can I make myself more open to love? You know, like you're not going to find the right answers. So it's it's important to think about how to ask these questions, too, in addition to how to interpret them. You know, I always I always had my when I was reading somebody, I never I always told them to keep their question in mind, but I never actually learned what it was from them. See, that's so interesting. I the first few tarot readings I got from someone else, they did that, too. And I. I just don't like doing that personally. Yeah. I I think that, and maybe it is just because I come from such a a social. I mean, I am a I have a master's licensed clinical social worker, you know. So maybe it's just because I come from that background sure, and less sure. from the kind of like spiritual or like mystical backgrounds. That for me, I'm like, no, the so much of this is the conversation. Sure, I will say. There are times where I am reading and I'm reading the person's question or query or whatever information they provided to me. And I find myself creating a narrative before I've even pulled cards. Mm. And I find that it is a challenge sometimes that would be resolved by just not asking the question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it is a challenge sometimes to clear my mind of those those preconceived notions and allow myself to interpret what's on the table yeah so everyone who's listening if you're new to reading if you're if you've been reading forever you know sometimes it's just worth it just to try different ways see what works for you absolutely get loose with it you know because you have to bring yourself to the cards you 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 can't do it if if you're not bringing yourself to the cards then the the person you're the person might as well be googling exactly it. and they're not they're not going to enjoy it this is the other part like the the critical thing here is that like you mentioned at the beginning there's a, there's an element of drama to this like in in that literally a huge part of it is how the person feels when they walk away and you kind of i guess i i guess i feel i always felt like i had a responsibility to them in that way oh yeah I definitely do. I take tarot reading as a pretty distinct responsibility. I mean, I so there are times people ask me questions and I'll literally ask them follow-up questions just to be like, listen, I will answer this question, but it's a serious question. Like, are you okay with X, Y, Z? You know, yeah. like, are you are you understanding that this is not definitive too? Yeah. You know, so there's a, there's a lot to consider when you're doing a reading. Totally. Uh, before we before we end the episode, is there anything else about this card that you wanted to touch on? Uh, one of my tarot decks is simply called Cat Tarot, and the card for the Emperor That's is a, a big, fat, fluffy Persian cat with a cone of shame around his neck. <laughs> That's... <laughs> See, I always have such a hard time with novelty decks, because I'm just like, what am I supposed to get? Yeah, <laughs> what's the meaning here? Like, I know, I know that, like, 
this one I'm, I don't think I'll ever use to read somebody for that exact reason. Like it's yeah. not, it's just like, there are some decks that you get that are like very beautiful. And, the, and this is kind of how I feel about the, um, the divinity deck, the one that we both have. It's pretty, it's beautiful. It's really neat that there's all of this like world cultural stuff in it. I don't know if I would ever really read with it just because I think. Oh, really? I love reading. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, for me, it's always either Rider Waite or Tote just because those like Rider Waite is so like easy to translate the imagery, you know? And mm-hmm. Toad is just so... I hate reading with the writer. You do? Okay. <laughs> it's because it's too plain. Yeah. It's just, it wasn't my first deck. It. I mean, my first deck was a writer weight, like, you know, like, based on writer sure, weight, yeah. clearly, you know, of that. For people listening who don't know this, there's like, there's a Marseille deck, there's the Toad deck, there's the, or to- how do you say it? And then there's the writer weight, and those are kind of like the main three types of decks. So they're they're a little different from each other. So most of the decks you see are usually, maybe I shouldn't say most, but a lot of the decks you see are usually based on the Rider Waite deck, even if they have different imagery. So the first decks I had, I didn't get the Rider Waite deck until I had already started practicing for a bit. Okay. And I got it and I just turned it into flashcards. So I do find it super helpful for, like, I guess I'll put it this way. If I'm doing a reading out loud, which I don't usually do, then I might use the Rider Weight deck because it's just faster mm. for my brain to make those connections yeah. because I'm so used to that imagery. And so I don't have to spend much time remembering. But do you do like um, write-ups as well? I do. Wow, when cool. I do readings, I usually do them over text and I do them like they're usually Never done about 150 words per card. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll do one for you after this episode. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's... There's just so much to all these different decks, and I, I, the only novelty deck I have is not even a whole deck. It's the JoJo's deck that I have hanging above. As my, in Bizarre Adventure, my bed. Yes. Okay. It's just the Major Arcana, though. So I hate that. I guess I could have used it for this. You know, like I yeah, understand why you would produce a deck that's only the Major Arcana, because that's the only that's those are the ones the normies care about, but like. <laughs> you know yeah so it just is it's wall decoration it's not something i sure. actually use but but no tarot of the divine is one of my favorite ones i just got it i just got it recently the person who guessed it on the last episode gave it to me for a christmas oh, and so i just great. got it recently yes it was great i was super excited about it but anyways i love the extra bonus of having a story associated to it already sure, yeah. that can help me create my own narratives based on my associations there and i think it also forced me to view a lot of the cards differently than i had before thinking about how the connections to the stories that they made it has forced me to expand my view of these cards and i really appreciate that aspect of it so i actually really like using it but i don't use it in all situations it just kind of depends I don't know on what. (laughs) It's just my vibes, I guess. The crazy thing about oh, so I have those six decks, and one of them is the Homestuck deck, and yeah, yeah, it's 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 novelty. But if I was gonna read somebody who was a Homestuck fan, this I mean, this shit is well researched. The imagery in the Homestuck tarot deck. If you know Homestuck and you know the tarot, you'll be like, oh shit, oh shit. Oh, look at this connection. Hey, a novelty deck can be good. I just haven't found that many of them. <laughs> I really want the yeah. Over the Garden Wall deck, but 
and alas, I think it's oh, I bet that's beautiful. I think it's out of my reach, but unfortunately, I think it's out of print. But anyway, Darn. well, thank you so much for coming on. Tell folks how they can find my you. pleasure. I'm on Twitter at Max Newland underscore M-A-X-N-E-W-L-A-N-D. I have a podcast on the Moonshot Network and the new episode just came out today. So if you're listening to this and you think, wow, Max sounds cool. I'd like to hear what he's up to. Then you can go uh, subscribe to After School Anime Club. And hey, you know, what a coincidence. The episode that we have coming out today, uh, I think you know the special guest that we have on that episode. Oh, yeah? Would I be... Yeah, his name is Chris. Would I, say, would I happen to be getting married to him soon? <laughs> yeah, I think possibly. <laughs> I think maybe. Just perhaps. God, I hope uh, so. That rings a bell. <laughs> um, it, it, I mean, or else all these plans have gone to naught. Really. Yeah. I mean. So, yes, please go listen to my partner uh, talk about anime. <laughs> yeah, he specifically joined us to talk about um, episode, uh, episodes, two episodes of Tenchi Muyo. Oh. A show that I absolutely love from my childhood. I love that. Well, thank you. And then yeah. if you want to find me on the internet, you can. Um, I'm at Absolina, E-P-S-I-L-I-N-A. On Twitter, I'm at Time Being Tarot on Tumblr. And you can also, if you want to get a reading from me, you can do so on, again, every single episode. I've still never learned how to say it. Coffee, Kofi, however you say it. Again, at Absolina. It's because coffee. It's coffee, right? You know, you're buying a cup of coffee. The, yeah. The yeah. dash in the middle of it makes me feel like it's not coffee. <laughs> I hate the way apps spell things. You know what? I, you know what I mean. Yes. You know what I yes, mean, I right? Do. So the way apps fucking spell things, it sucks. Coffee dot com slash Epsilina. If you would like to, um, three card <laughs> readings are just starting at a dollar or whatever you feel like paying. Five card readings are starting at $10, and again, they're usually at least 150 words per card, sometimes more, depending on how verbose I'm feeling that day. So, And then you can join us next week when we talk about the Hierophant. Number five, the Hierophant. Okay. Have a good week, y'all. Hi there, my name's Max Newland. My friends and I love anime, but you don't have to take my word for it. Hello, my name is Max Kostrak, and I have a confession today. I do love anime. Hey there, my name is Stevie Matos, and I love anime like I love yogurt parfaits. I watch it, I engage with it, and I think about it a lot. Give me a good bed of mechs, sprinkled with some harem anime, a slice of life, and some little dabs of a sports anime. Let's go. Mm. Now doesn't that sound delicious? Join us every Monday at the After School Anime Club, a podcast where we play fun games and talk through the anime classics of the 90s and 2000s. That's the After School Anime Club, available now on your podcatcher of choice.